Welcome to the Millionaire Next Door podcast with Robert Curtis, CFP, accredited investment fiduciary from Signature Estate and Investment Advisors. In this podcast, we help successful wealth accumulators like you looking to transition to a work optional lifestyle by helping you build strategies for growing and maintaining your wealth. Robert draws from years of experience and fiduciary responsibility and interviews guest experts to help you build reliable strategies to grow and maintain your wealth. Now, on to the show. A plan for continued success benefits from a process. Your host, Rob Curtis, has grown his business with a process, one he's spoken about in previous episodes, but this time he delves more deeply into the experience and observations that guided the creation of that process. I'm Patrice Sikora. And Rob, why did you feel the need for what I'm going to call a recipe, this recipe for success? Why did you feel the need? Uh, yeah, good question. I, I love the way you phrase it. Sometimes I think about it like a recipe, but like a great recipe, you want it to be repeatable, right? You don't want to have to think about it. Maybe you can mix the ingredients a little bit. You want to have a pretty good idea what you're looking at. And then if you were to give it to someone else, they, they could repeat that process. But if it's something you're making over and over and it turns out just the way you like it, you would you know want to have that be a constant. And you may not make it again for a while, but so, so that, that's what came to mind. You can always go back again, yes. You can so always go back, back and it'll stand the test of time. You know, it's it's a process, yeah. So so where did it come uh, from? I, um, I just realized several years into my business that I needed to, to have a process, a very in-depth process that we take clients through so they have a similar experience like you'd see, you know, in a doctor's office. It's, and I've just been working on that continuously. We're always striving for continuous improvement in that process. So interestingly, one of the things I was fortunate enough to learn and adhere to a long time ago, if you're going to do something every day, you know, a habit, you might as well sure you want might as well make sure you're doing the best job you can of it. You know, for example, you get a really good toothbrush or a really good okay. pillow, <laughs> you know, or if yeah. you're going to take some vitamins or supplements, I mean, don't just buy anything, do some research, find, find a good one. If you're taking it every every single day, it's it's a bit of the wild west out there. So, I, you know, we're doing those. Those are habits. I'm brushing my teeth twice a day, fortunately, and in reality, uh, toothpaste. You know, I I just had this sort of revelation. I I upped a lot of stuff in the COVID, uh, you know, the lockdown game on just processes, business wise, and just with a lot of personal stuff. So, like toothpaste, for example, I sort of became aware not not to bag on any brand, but I'd been using Crest my whole life. You know, there might, there might actually be a, a little bit better toothpaste than Crest out there was, and I'd heard this. So I got, I was actually out in Utah and, um, coincidentally I, last season and I was skiing and riding the chair and the gentleman I got to know real well was what's called a biologic dentist. I don't know if you know what a biologic dentist is versus a regular. I saw that in your notes and I was wondering what, what is, you it? know, it's kind of more like dialed in on on like the the materials, the ingredients, the processes, not using a lot of fluoride, especially if you're having I don't have a lot of issues, but teeth extracted, like people who have old mercury fillings, I mean they're they're horrible and they're like really toxic. If you ever get them taken out, I mean it's it's a really dangerous, you know, 
sensitive procedure because a lot of that mercury can spread. But at any rate, he's kind of like a like a real intense holistic doctor. And so at any rate, I was interested in that. And, you know, the point of the story here was I said, you know, when we were talking, he was really surprised I even knew what a biologic dentist was <laughs> and understood what he did. I said, you know, what kind of toothpaste would you recommend? And he gave me three recommendations for these things. And, you know, I found them right on Amazon, uh, you know, like 10 bucks each. So interestingly, one of these toothpastes has nanotechnology in it. I mean, have you heard of nanotech? Yeah, um, but how? I think of little you things know, running around the place. Well, you know, these tiny little like, I don't know what, neg- 10 to the negative nine particle size or whatever, you know, they can penetrate the teeth or the gums with the right thing. So it's just like. It's like state of the art, like NASA technology in a toothpaste that's, you know, 10 bucks on Amazon. I'm going to use it twice a day anyways. And, uh, you know, the point is I asked this guy about it, you know, and he gave me and I tried it out. You know, it was just an upgrade because I don't really think about it. I'm up early. I'm doing it before I go to bed. It's, you know, it tastes fine. But, you know, it was a small little hack that. And so we're always trying to do a lot of that. This, This gentleman, by the way, I would absolutely... No offense to my current dentist, but I would switch over to him, except his practice is in New York City. So I'm a on long the West way to go Coast. for a cleaning. Yeah. <laughs> it's a long way to go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But but, you know, along the same lines, I'm always looking to have sort of the best leading edge practices in my business and my process. I'm always looking for regular what I call one to three percent improvements. I mean, they're not gargantuan, but they're constantly moving in the right direction and they're they're doable. To do that on a regular basis, you you can make a lot of progress over a decent mm. period of time. So, do your, do your clients see this? You know, I don't know that they're always aware of every nuance that's going out there, but surely they, they deserve it. And over time, I would I would like to think they would. But again, they deserve it. So I want to be doing the work to to up the game and make their experience better and better all the time. You know, I, I want to let them know I'm ceaseless and that I'm always trying to learn and integrate and upgrade many of the micro and macro processes all the time. Um, it, it really makes things fun and a craft. We love integrating what, you know, what we learn and I'm always learning. In, in fact, you know, it, it, we're making the, our clients the voice we listen to. You have in the past said that it's, it's an art and a science, what you do and how you've got this, this process going. How many years did it take you to do this? And then tell me about this air purifier, five air purifiers. <laughs> I really became very aware of just this integration of the process with, with COVID and the lockdown. I think it was a reset for a lot of people. We were always doing it, but I really crystallized it more. The toothpaste is just a small thing, but I don't know that it's going to make you instantly healthier. But if you're doing a lot of other things together, it's it's just a little thing, you know, that, that, that gets you there. Or even your soap, if you got a better more pure, you know, it's just, it's just going to be better for you, that kind of thing. So, um, you know, the little thing, the air purifier. So we, um, we actually just, I'd had an air, really good air purifier in my office, but we put four more in throughout the office recently. So the point is we just want the best indoor air possible, you know, for me, for my team, uh, for our clients who visit us, we, we still have clients visiting when they're comfortable, you know, and we're comfortable and that's, everybody's good with it that's you know but we obviously had more before the lockdown and i think we'll be back to that i'm i'm hopeful at some point but we just upgraded the quality of the air you know if you're in the office six eight hours maybe longer a day why not be breathing better air 
So, you know, and I became aware of the fact that indoor air, no matter where you are, is almost is dramatically not as clean or dirty, um, you know, as outdoor air. So we upgraded that process and that that's um, that's what's going on there. And then, oh, and to another point, I'll delve into kind of one of the deeper techniques I've had that's differentiated. But, you know, I've been doing this over 24 years now and. I know one of them took me a good 14 years to really have all the dots connected on. And uh, that was very powerful. You know, it, it, it takes time to develop these processes. So always working on it could always be a little bit better. We're always looking and learning and finding new things and trying to integrate that. And you would hope your other professionals are too, right? You would hope your doctor isn't just doing the way things were done, you know, when he or she left medical school or things, things change, right. Or dentistry or even account or whatever it is. Yep. Now you, you surf, you've done it for a long time. How did surfing help you in this? Well, I don't know that it helped me, but I, it's more of a lens through which you view everything. So th- certainly all my business processes, but a lot of things in life, just like your health, your diet, your sleep, and I applied it to surfing. So this is something I've been working that the podcast is the millionaire next door. We call it the overnight 25, 30 year success story. Um, a lot is learned in that time frame. So I grew up, you know, as a teenager surfing, I took a long break and now I'm back into it. I, I like to say I'm training for the centenarian Olympics, you know, the, the, <laughs> I'm in training for that. I'll be there in about uh, 50 years, but yeah, right. but at any rate, um, so surfing is notorious. It's a very challenging sport, to be honest, even if, and as you age, it's more difficult. And if you try and pick it up later, it's, it's just, there's the water's always moving. There's so many changing elements. So, so long story during the lockdown, I did upgrade a lot of processes and I, I engaged with a coach, an amazing coach who helped me with all kinds of like breathing and, um, a lot of core exercise and just, just a lot of good stuff that I, I even thought gave me a lot of energy for, for my work and my engagements and whatnot. At any rate, she posted this, um, there was a surf retreat down in Mexico and I thought, oh my gosh, this is, this is custom made for me. And, um, you know, I reached out to her and she said they had surf coaches. They had surf coaches down there in the water with you. And I was like, this is amazing. I mean, I grew up just you know, flailing around, trial and error, nobody, never any coaching, nothing, just, you know, just uh, trying to do it better, but you're kind of in the moment, it's pretty hard to see, and, I, you know, over the years, I became aware, like, even with my children, that, you know, a 17-year-old and a 19-year-old, and, you know, we raised them, but we'd get coaches for them and different things, and you'd see these really talented people, and the kids would pick it up, and they were patient, and then, you know, it occurred to me once, you know, as an adult, when why don't we do this, you know, or don't we need to still be learning? Like, couldn't we benefit by someone who could really nail in, you know, that process? So, so at any rate, I went down to the surf retreat. It was in January. It was, it was great. It was absolutely great. I really liked it. And <laughs> they had these surf instructors who really, really knew their stuff. And, um, you know, I got all this advice, so I'll, I'll share a few with them, but it's more about these processes. Like, Things you might have done for decades, but you hear these little insights that help you be better. You know, they helped a lot with my paddling technique. There was some stuff that was not quite, you know, and that's how you move around. If you have better tattling, it's safer. You conserve your energy. Um, it, it's important. And um, 
you know, my legs, I kind of had the legs on the back of the board spread out a little bit. I learned to put them together. I was unaware that that was just much more efficient. It's probably a basic fundamental, but you know, they pointed it out. And on the takeoff where you take off into a wave, there's a lot going on. You're positioning yourself. Sometimes you're in a crowd, the waves moving, you're trying to get into the right spot. They, they told me that I was kind of rushing this process that I needed to slow it down a little bit and be more sort of Zen-like. And they integrated like a, like a bit of a breathing technique into it. And it was amazing. And, and there's another thing just I'll wrap up here, but there's a, there's a, I, I work a lot on getting more what's called in the pocket. The pocket is like kind of like where the wave is breaking and the energy. This was more of a slow breaking roller, like a longboard wave. And it's easy to kind of get out in front of the wave and not be where things are really going on to optimize it. So I was able to dial it back down and get right into the pocket, which, which was just a great fundamental. You know, these are things you know, but the coach can help guide you and get you there. And, um, well, it's interesting. A lot of this carried over into a lot of areas of my life, you know, even merging into traffic or things I do at work or getting an email. So my processes around that have sort of been forever upgraded and I plan to attend again, you know, next year and um, looking forward to learning s- some new things, additional things. Who knew? Who knew you could learn all this from surfing? You know, you, yeah. It's a bit of a metaphor. I did a video on it a while ago and I talked about, you know, you get knocked around out there and it's, uh, you know, but it's a lot about the grit and the determination, but then, you know, a better process and staying calm and always different conditions. And, and it's, you know, it's not unlike life or, um, you know, or work or your business. I mean, you'll have some great days, you'll have some rougher days. It's, it's just, how it goes. It's showing up, but having a process you can continually rely on, especially when things get challenging or more difficult, you want a process you can rely on. Um, If that's that air, you know, the pilot in the uh, cockpit, I mean, and they're flying through some really inclement weather, you want to know they have a process in place and that, you know, they have this under control and this is something they've trained for. So you can always be upping, like apparently even that salt, Sully Sullivan, the guy, remember, who landed the plane in the movie? Yeah, oh, definitely. Yeah, and I remember reading where he, you know, his other pilots would take breaks and do stuff and, you know, or in their rest. And this guy would go study, like, disaster landing techniques for, you know, his hour and a half break. Or, you know, he just read about it and researched it for years. And then, lo and behold, one day, it, it really mattered. It. Yeah, to a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah, so... But, but now you talk about your process as being unemotional. Uh, when you're surfing, God knows I'd get emotional. Uh, <laughs> I would, especially if I got knocked around by a wave. Yeah. But how did that translate into being objective, rules-based, unemotional? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, yeah, in the surfing, you, you'd like to be unemotional. It's tough. If you get scared or there's fear, um, yeah. these are things, you know, they, you know, you don't want to be in a position where that doesn't effectively serve you. So it's always something you can be working on, you know, or training for the next big thing. But, you know, evolving and adapting is in our process is something we're just always doing. And I mean, this is in, within the context of a, or confines of a well-developed process. So, yes, a big hallmark of my process is having an objective, unemotional, rules-based plot process as it applies to managing money and portfolios. 
And as I mentioned earlier, I didn't always have this exact, I'm still like I was super emotional, but the market can swing really wildly. And it took me about 14 years before I was really able to integrate process. And when I integrated it, you know, I knew I was onto something very powerful that was dramatically contrasting me and my experience of working with me from the vast majority of my competition. I mean, it was really powerful. So I've been working on that for the past 10 years. It's become one of the best gifts I would say the universe ever gave me. And I try and integrate and share this, you know, on a daily basis with clients. It's been very useful, but, um, you know, over the weekend, there's, there's always something going on. Now it's, uh, you know, is Russia going to invade Ukraine, you know, or the, the, the lockdown or, you know, the, the, there's always, there'll be a new thing right after that, you know, interest rates going up, whatever is du jour, you need a process around evaluating that. So tell me more about how this shows up in your practice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So for starters, I just want to say, take a step back, but say, I mean, it's absolutely, it's a huge blessing to do what I do. You know, I've always taken a fiduciary mindset and been a teacher. I've never taken for granted how important what I do is and the level of trust that clients place in me and my team. Uh, Some of our clients actually feel compelled to introduce me to friends, to family, to colleagues they really care about it's never because they just want to help me grow my business. I mean, I, I realize that it's actually, they, they think if they don't make this introduction, it'll be a disservice to, to the other person, you know, or their family. They think they'll be, you know, underserved. So when they do make that introduction, I'll always do my best for that person to give them a 100% professional fiduciary best advice possible you know, with absolutely zero expectation that they'll become a client. I'm really just doing this as a service to honor my relationship with with the client or person who introduced me. And when I meet with such an individual, I, I definitely seek to hear about their experience and learn about what is going on and where they'd like to be. I mean, why why are they even calling or reaching out to me in the first place? Um, you got to believe it's dissatisfaction. Yeah. So, I mean, most often it's, it's some type of a misalignment or fit between their current advisory team, or in some case, their broker. I mean, right. that, that's a really big issue. <laughs> and they're interviewing teams to see what their process is and determine if there might be a good fit and opportunity to enhance that experience. And, and these folks, they only want to, you know, do it one more time. Hopefully the first, they want to <laughs> get the right fit. Yeah. They don't want, you know, like a marriage, you don't want to trial, you know, you'd hope to get it right. So they might be seeking a second opinion around what we think, you know, their current advisor is is doing, you know, they probably won't reach out if there's some type of disparity in the first place. But, you know, how well is that working? What might we do differently? That this is where that process I described earlier comes in. And it's been enormously helpful and beneficial to them. So I'll ask for their current statement. I mean, in most cases, they'll give me the statement. If they won't even share the statement, it's, it's a not, no starter. It's no, pretty hard. No it's kind of like start, asking right. a doctor to evaluate you, but he, you, you won't give them any data. It's, it's going to be, uh, yeah. So, but they usually share that with me. And then I will literally go over every single item, every single line item and holding in their portfolio and their portfolio, you know, in, in a big picture context of how it's working for them. And I'll give them a pure, unemotional evaluation of everything they own in the portfolio. So, you know, the, the process, it, it's not subjective. It's completely rules-based. And I use a scoring system where I can see exactly 
what they own. Is it working? Is it good? Is it bad? Somewhere in the middle. Um, we use, I use a database I found this, you know, years ago, but, uh, this evaluates something in the order of 37 million relationships every single day and ranks them. And I mean, this is just, this is just absolutely giant. So, I mean, the, the, the teams and the people who developed this, they used to look at this, they, I don't know, 25, 30 years before all these supercomputers, they had an entire team of folks. It would take them all week to analyze 200 of these relationships, which was meaningful. Now you can do 37, you know, the next year it'll be 45, you know, but I get these reports that show the outliers and, you know, we can cut through a lot of data and learn what's really important noise and what, you know, what isn't. But um, I'll, I'll give you a few examples. I don't know if you remember the old Pepsi challenge. It was a. Uh, yeah, I'm going to date myself and say, of course I do. Of course you do. I thought <laughs> you might. So there was this commercial, the Pepsi challenge, you know, but at any rate, we can literally tell them, you know, which is stronger and sort of winning, winning the, uh, I call the proverbial arm wrestling match between them, you know, Pepsi or Coke stock, or is it Nestle or ConAgra? You know, those are both food companies. Is it the S&P 500 or the EFA, E-A-F-E? That's like an international index, kind of like the equivalent of the S&P 500 internationally developed uh, or something called the S&P 500 capitalization weighted index or the equal weighted index. Most people have no idea there's two versions of the S&P 500. I mean, it's the same 500 stocks. They're just weighted differently and they have very different performances and characteristics. They're really two different animals. And most people have no idea this. And so you would want to be aware, you know, of these different, different, um, you know, indices. So um, nearly everyone who goes through the second opinion processes, they've, they've never seen anything like it. And in many cases, you know, these folks have been investors. Uh, they've been doing this for 25, 30 years. I mean, I had a gentleman once say he's been with seven different advisors. He's never seen anything like this. So by the way, if they had someone there who was doing this, which never happens because they won't even come to me in the first place. If they, I'd say they'd be completely crazy to change their advisor if they did. But if they don't, they, they really need to think about it. I mean, honestly. So it's just been a giant differentiator. And in some cases, I've had people simply want to engage me right on the spot. And as flattering as that is, um, you know, I'd want to make sure there's a mutually good fit and you know, it's not just the assets. It's a lot of other attitudinal qualities and chemistry. I had a client once who asked me, you mean if I referred you someone with a huge portfolio, but they were a jerk, you wouldn't take them on? <laughs> and I said, <laughs> no, unequivocally, you know, no. I mean, I, I simply have way too much respect for the team I've built, and, you know, and the folks I work with every day and the other community of clients, you know, because if someone's a jerk, it affects their mood. It affects <laughs> yours. And the next person who calls, you, you know, they don't really get the best of you. So, so life's just way too short. So the answer is no, absolutely no. Um, yeah. They've got to be a fit. They've got to be a fit. Yeah. On a number of levels mutually and, and yeah. So. Well, as we get ready to, to close out here, you've gone through a lot of really interesting and, and insightful comments and, and experiences here. Let's go back to the coaches. Talk to me more about the coaches that you've had. Coaching's been amazing. I didn't utilize coaches 
all that much until the last several years of my life. And I'm super particular about the coaches I engage with wanting to really have incredible people. And I've been fortunate. I've had some really good ones that I've found and used and they've, they've made a huge difference. I mean, these surf coaches were great. Somebody else had picked them and vetted them. Um, I literally have a breath coach, you know, a f- several breath. Co- I mean, some of them are, they're pretty amazing people. So that, that sounds a little like what in the world, I don't even really have respiratory or breathing problems, but apparently you, you breathe. Well, all of us actually do because we start breathing. We breathe really well as small children. And then, right. then we, we mess that up. Now. You said you, you do some yoga and stuff. So yeah. a lot of yoga is about that breath work and, and retraining and diaphragmatic and nasal breathing. And, you know, like nasal is, you know, there's a huge air filter in your called your nose, you know, and if you're breathing, most of us breathe through our mouth or if we get into stress or, you know, a lot of the folks I learned from, or some of them were actually big wave surfers where they were training where they might get held down for four minutes at a time, you know, or some of them have free diving experience, you know, or, or they're yoga, you know, yoga type people, but they understand. And the, some of this stuff's been around thousands of years, but it's just gotten, gotten lost. So at any rate, I've engaged with a lot of these folks and it's, it's just been amazing. And again, if you're doing it 22,000 times a day involuntarily, and you got to do it anyways, it's, it's pretty, pretty darn important. So do it the right to, way. Yeah. Do it the right way. I wanted to up the game on that. I actually engaged a fear coach. If you can believe this recently, this is a woman who's an expert on fear, you know, anxiety and flow. And, um, I mean, she's really rare and unique woman I work with in Utah. She was, she was <laughs> selected as the world's number one big mountain skier and considered the most fearless elite woman athlete across any sport globally for over a decade. She, she was actually, as a teenager, she was skiing in, on the East coast in jeans within three years, she was on the U S ski and mogul team. They're, they've, they're doing the Olympics right now as we record this over in Beijing. So it's, it's kind of interesting. But at any rate, um, I, I chose to work with her because her amazing, you know, skill set. And so she asked me, you know, what, why are you even engaging? Well, what's going on? And a lot of people like yourself might be wondering, why is he engaging a fear expert? You know, what's the deal? And, and, the, and by the way, this, there's very few people who are dialed in on this or the way she is. It's really unique skill set. But honestly, my answer, and I've worked with her for a couple of years, is I'm not even sure why I'm doing it. I don't really have clarity. It's just that I don't see myself as a particularly fearful person, but fear, it's absolutely a real thing. You know, it's out there and I just wanted to have a relationship or a better relationship. I mean, people talk about anxiety. It's another word for fear. And anxiety is just completely rampant. I I have it, go through it at times. How do I deal with it better? So, you know, it's just made me aware of, you know, of fear and how it, it showed up in a lot of places in my life, especially as a financial advisor. You know, we're dealing with markets and money and, you know, there's a lot of anxiety around that. And uh, certainly as a person in the world today, living through a global pandemic, I mean, there's a lot of fear, there's a lot of anxiety, a lot of uncertainty, you know, it's, it's. But fear and anxiety have their place. They have their place. They do. They do have a place, you know, and I guess, I mean, we used to have fear and anxiety, um, you know, when a saber toothed tiger would chase us down and then, then that threat was gone pretty quick and we needed to have a quick response. But now we have these more sort of 
ongoing things, right? You know, stress in your life, work or these, uh, and they don't go away, even the internet or social media or, you know, some of which are designed to provoke you into, you know, literally stimulating your amygdala and you see some of these responses and it's, you know, some of it is they're intentionally trying to get you on nerves. So whatever you, you see it a certain way or you buy something or any rate, hold your interest. So um, it's been a learning experience. I've tried to dial up that. She was really good. This concept of flow is, you know, they talk about these great athletes, uh, you know, Magic Johnson. They just played the Super Bowl yesterday was, you know, you hear these, this guy was in flow or you think of Joe Montana and the great, you know, how he could, he could just, you know, run up a touchdown in like, you know, 31 seconds, no problem. But, um, so, you know, I don't know how you turn that on, but she, she got me in touch with a lot of those phases and I just wanted to understand that better because there are times when you can kind of get in flow. So I've had a lot of really good, you know, experiences. I seek to be a coach, you know, a trusted advisor myself. I'm a fiduciary and a teacher first and foremost, whether I'm advising a client or doing everything I can to be the best parent I can to my children. And that is an accomplishment. That is a huge accomplishment right there. <laughs> so, Rob, how can listeners reach you? They want to talk sure, about well, this or they've got questions for you. Yeah, absolutely. They can reach me on LinkedIn, on Facebook. I'm active on both of those. They can email me, you know, rcurtis, C-U-R-T-I-S-S at seia.com. Um, I'd also encourage folks to listen to my, po- uh, well, listen to the podcast. There's several episodes. I don't know if there's a way to reach me through the show notes. We'd love to take some listener questions if anybody has any. Apparently, by the way, the metrics on the show on the podcast are are looking really good. We're in the top 25% of all podcasts and I you guys have got a team so they, you know, it's growing. So that that's really encouraging. But reach out, you can call my office, talk to someone on my team if there's a way you want to get in touch with me and um you know, love to interact. All right, Rob Curtis of Signature Estate and Investment Advisors. Obviously, Rod is, uh, Rob rather is the host of this podcast, The Millionaire Next Door. Make sure you follow. You'll know when the next show is ready. Get in touch with Rob and share with friends and family. I'm Patrice Sikora, and let's talk again later. Thank you for listening to The Millionaire Next Door podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Signature Estate and Investment Advisors or Royal Alliance Associates Incorporated, member FINRA SIPC. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning.